Well, we are um, going through a series called The Gift of Christmas. And uh, two weeks ago, we looked at a gift worth giving. And uh, when it comes to Christmas and giving, church, it all started with God. Uh, when God gave us his son, uh, Jesus, born into this world. And it was soon followed by the Magi who came with um, uh, gifts as they were in search of the the um, the baby born king of the Jews. And the gifts that the Magi gave to uh, Joseph and Mary were very, very appropriate gifts. Uh, they were biblically and theologically based gifts. And uh, they were uh, gifts that were to be given to a king in worship uh, because of the great sacrifice that he was uh, eventually going to be, be making, not only for Israel, but the whole world as well. And, uh, and so their gift was the message of salvation. And that's the greatest gift, church, that we can give to those who uh, are important in our life, is uh, that gift of grace, sharing with them the good news of what Christ has done for them. And then last week we looked at uh, a gift worth waiting for. And uh, this wait took millenniums. And uh, we looked at Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And when we understand that, that phrase, in the fullness of time, and look back over Old Testament history, we see the sovereignty of God and that he was involved in every uh, little detail um, in bringing uh, the gift of God's Son upon the scene. scene. And when we understand that, uh, that that gift came to redeem you, to adopt you, and to give you the gift of his Holy Spirit. When we understand all of that, church, Christian, we can, we can trust him with every single detail of our life, both good and bad. Just, just understanding, comprehending how God sent his son, uh, born of a woman, under the law, in the fullness of time for our salvation. Uh, that's just a rich chapter of scripture. And, it, and, uh, and so this gift of his son was definitely worth waiting for. And we just need to appreciate the the weight of, of that message. And uh, then today, we're going to be looking at a gift worth uh, receiving. You know, when it comes to uh, Christmas, Christmas is the only major holiday that's celebrated both by the religious and the non-religious in the Western civilization. It is the only major holiday that we celebrate uh, together. But we celebrate it for different reasons. You know, for the religious, those who are followers of Christ, we know why we celebrate Christmas. But Christmas to the secular world, they celebrate it for altogether different reasons. 
I like what this one person said. He said, if you strip away trees, lights, reefs, candy, chocolate, mistletoe, gifts, hot cider, eggnog, silver bells, festive music, Santa Claus, reindeer, shopping malls, and elves, the church of Jesus would still have something to celebrate. And the reason why we have something to celebrate, church, is because we know the full story of Christmas. And the person that we're looking at this morning is the person Simeon in Luke chapter 2. Simeon knew both the good and the disturbing part of what Christmas is all about. And Simeon was able to um, celebrate this first Christmas with no glitz, no glitter, no lights, no hot chocolate or anything like that. He saw this Christ child. And he celebrated because he knew what this Christ child was all about. He knew the whole story even before it had all, it, it had even evolved. And so that's what I want to look at this morning and why we can, uh, celebrate why this, why Christmas is, uh, worth uh, why Christmas is worth it. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, and we're going to start with verse 25 this morning. Verse 25 says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Can you just kind of taste his enthusiasm, his excitement right here in this song that broke forth uh, from his heart? And then verse 33 says, And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also. So the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Simeon. 
Simeon was an ordinary man. It doesn't say in this passage of Scripture that Simeon was a priest. Simeon was in the temple, temple though. Simeon had made it a point to visit the temple often. The Bible says here in Luke that he was, he was a righteous man. And when you think of that word righteous, he was uh, primarily focused toward, it was fi- primarily focused towards one conduct with others. Uh, Simeon uh, was known for his godly conduct toward others. The Bible says he was also devout. He, he visited uh, the temple faithfully. He regularly met with God. The Bible also says that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And what that means is that he took the words of the prophets of the Old Testament seriously and was looking for the coming Messiah. And then finally, Scripture talks about the fact that the Holy Spirit was upon him. He was a man who was deeply influenced and controlled by the Spirit of God. Now, this was somewhat unique. You know, we looked at last week in Galatians chapter 4 that when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, uh, we receive the gift of his Holy Spirit. But uh, that giftness has not come upon the scene yet. But in Luke chapter 2, with this devoted and righteous man, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was upon him. And uh, so he was able to see and know things that most people in Israel had no clue about. Here, Mary and Joseph were in the temple, um, and they are about to dedicate um, uh, their son unto the Lord. He is the firstborn male child, and so they are fulfilling uh, the law of the covenant of the Old Testament. And so this is a busy place. They've brought him in, and uh, they're they're about to uh, uh, offer their son unto the Lord, and they um, they purchase uh, two pigeons to be sacrificed to redeem their son back. They know he belongs to the Lord. The firstborn son belongs to the Lord, and it's their responsibility as parents to redeem him back to themselves. And they do that through a sacrifice and offering. They were a poor couple, and all they could afford were two pigeons, and they've done that. Uh, when he was eight years old, he was, uh, he, was, he was circumcised according to the law. Eight days, what did I say? Eight years. <laughs> and so here we are in uh, Luke 2, and it's about 40 days later from the birth of Christ. And Simeon's there. And nobody else perceives who this child is. But Simeon does. Because the Bible says that uh, Simeon was told by the Holy Spirit that before he died, he, would go, he was going to see the consolation of Israel. Verse 25. And we'll get in that more in a moment. But 
Simeon is on the lookout. Because God has promised him, he is looking with spiritual eyes based upon the promises of God, based upon the word of God, and he knows that he is going to see the Messiah. And so he does see the Messiah, and he breaks out in celebration. Why is Simeon able to celebrate Christmas, uh, celebrate this gift when he has no other experiences or no other Christmases to fall back on? I mean, he, he is our example to us as to why Christmas is worth celebrating if you strip away everything else that the world wants us to focus on. Three reasons why. Number one, the gift of God's Son brings comfort and hope. Again, verse 25 says, because uh, Simeon was looking for the, the consolation of Israel. Verse 25, let me read that again. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Consolation church means comfort. It means peace. Verse 29, Simeon says, when he's... When he's He's seen Christ. Verse 29 says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Simeon can celebrate this gift because he knows this gift in God's Son brings comfort and peace. Nothing else We'll do that, church. And we try to fill our hearts, we try to fill our souls with a whole lot of different things. But he knows that this Christ child is the consolation of Israel. And he says in verse 29, I can die now. What the Holy Spirit has promised Unto me, I have seen. My hope is secure. I know why this Christ child has come to the earth. Because of what the Old Testament says. And I can depart in peace. I am ready to to die. Because my hope is secure. God has come through on his promises. I know what tomorrow will hold because I know what holds tomorrow. Church, when we come into personal relationship with Jesus, the Bible says he takes away our fear of death. We no longer have to be afraid. 
That's what Christmas is all about. Jesus came to die and to come back to life for our sins so that we don't have to be a slave of fear and sin and death any longer. I read this um, illustration on Facebook yesterday. That great theological tool, Facebook. And uh, the the blog that someone had written was uh, the title of it, Just Drop Your Blanket, or something of that nature. And it was based upon um, uh, the Charles Schultz Christmas story, Charlie Brown, and uh, the Christmas story. And uh, Charlie Brown was uh, really frustrated, and uh, he was in charge of putting this Christmas play together, and and nobody was cooperating, and he thought if he'd just go out and buy a, a Christmas tree, you know, that the spirit of Christmas would just settle everybody's hearts and everybody be focused. But he brought in this really lame, found this really lame Christmas tree, and everybody made fun of it. And uh, out of frustration, uh, he screamed, Does anybody know what Christmas is all about? Can somebody explain it to me? And uh, there was, uh, I think it's Linus, it's Linus that uh, carries the blanket, you know, and uh, earlier people were telling Linus, who was supposed to be a shepherd, drop the blanket, Linus, you know, you're not going to look good in the Christmas play holding a blanket. Well, Linus says, I can tell you what the story of Christmas is all about. And then he gets up on stage, and he begins to quote Luke chapter 2, verse, starting with verse 8. And he says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, and it's at this point that Linus drops his blanket for the very first time in all the Schultz cartoons he drops his blanket and he says fear not for behold I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord and this will be a sign for you you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel, uh, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those who, with whom he is pleased. He dropped his blanket. Folks, when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, He wants to be your comfort. And when you truly understand that and believe that, that comfort and that peace comes inside of our lives. I haven't um, updated my mom in the last couple of weeks on the... the, the uh, Facebook prayer prayer page, but um, uh, uh, you know, 
my mom kind of took turn for the worst this week. Uh, she was hoping to start um, chemotherapy. She has uh, pancreatic cancer. Uh, but my mom's, my mom's 79 years old, and she's rather feeble. She saw her cancer doctor, and her do- cancer doctor said that uh, she, he can't do chemotherapy because my mom has to be able to move for this chemo to kind of go through your system. And uh, my mom has Parkinson's disease as well, and so my mom is rather immobile. And, uh, and so she uh, had to say no to chemotherapy. And, um, and I called my mom on Wednesday and asked, how you doing, Mom? I says, she said, I just want to stop breathing. And so I knew she was uh, having a hard time. And the next day, my my uh, sister saw that my mom was really confused and um, I needed to get her to the hospital because uh, she couldn't do what my sister was requesting. And come to find out, she had a UTI, uh, uh, as they did some, some tests. But uh, my sister said that uh, my mom started singing hymns. That's the grace of God, you know, that she knows her future is secure. She knows where her hope is. She knows when she takes her last breath here, she's going to be in the presence of her Lord and Savior. And that's what a walk with God does. And Simeon knew, knew that this Christ child was the consolation, the comfort, the peace, the hope of Israel. And now Simeon says, I can die now. God has fulfilled all his promises to me. So that's the first reason why we can celebrate Christmas, that Christmas is worth celebrating when... (laughs) When we're not listening to what the world tells us to celebrate, it's because Jesus is our comfort and our hope. The second reason why we can celebrate, Christmas is worth celebrating, is that this baby was rooted in God's faithful promises. Verse 29, Simeon says, according to your word. Verse 30 says, my eyes have seen your salvation. How did Simeon see the Lord's salvation? This is just a baby. Jesus hasn't uh, lived to 33 years old. He hasn't lived a perfect, sinless life for all those years yet. He hasn't gone to the cross. But how can Simeon say that he has seen the Lord's salvation. It's because he knows the words of the Old Testament. He understood what the prophets of the Old Testament were saying. If you have a cross-reference Bible, you know, verses 29 through 32, um, if you go down there and look at the cross-references in those verses, there are many passages of scripture that are pulled together representing this song 
I mean, this song is full of promises and theology. But I want to draw your attention to Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, chapters 40 through 61, because those chapters are all about God's comfort, God's peace, what God's restoration, not just to Israel, but to the church. Let me just read a couple of verses. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord. Verse, chapter 20, 49, verses 13 through 16. Shout for joy, you heavens. Rejoice, you earth. Burst into song, you mountains. For the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. Zion, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. That's what Zion said. And then God says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever, are ever before me. Chapter 51, verse 3. The Lord will surely comfort Zion, Zion and will look with compassion on all her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the sound of singing. And you can read chapter 57 and chapter 61, chapter 53. But uh, what, what Simeon is saying here is that God has fulfilled his promises through the prophets. This baby is rooted in the promises of God, his faithful promises. Church, God is faithful in all his promises. No matter how long they may take, you can trust that he's going to fulfill each and every one. Now, Simon knew, Simeon knew the, the Old Testament, but then there was a specific promise that the Holy Spirit had given to Simeon. He didn't give this promise to anybody else, but he gave it to Simeon. The Holy Spirit was upon him. How did the Holy Spirit give this promise to Simeon? We don't know. The Scripture doesn't tell us. But he gave him this promise, this special revelation. Now, does God give those same kind of special revelations today? Again, in Luke chapter 2, this was a special period of time. But now we are looking at post-crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. We have the complete word of God. We have a complete canon of the word. 
How does God speak to us today? Through special revelation like he spoke to Simeon? Nope. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. Church, this is how God speaks to us today. We don't need any special revelation And you be very leery of those who claim to have special revelation of God. God has told them something, and you better listen, and you better follow. Because that is the way people abuse the word of God, abuse their authority, and bring great harm into the church. We have the complete revelation of the word. And God speaks to us through his Holy Spirit, through the insight of his word to us. So girls, if there's some guy that comes up to you and said, God told me that I need to kiss you. Let me just tell you, as your pastor, you have permission to give them the right hand of Christian fellowship right across the face. All right? No man has that kind of special revelation um, to do something of that nature. But here we have um, Simeon who has this special revelation um, here in Luke chapter 2. The promises of the Old Testament, the promises of the New Testament can be trusted. And as we read the Word of God, and as the Word of God says, this is the way of salvation, this is the way you can know that you are saved, you can trust that promise. Look at Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 13. Romans 10, 9 through 13 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We are saved by believing and trusting in all that Christ has done for us. When he went to the cross in our place and took my sin, your sin upon himself. And God poured out his wrath on his son, took on the punishment that we deserved. When we believe that, he died for you. And then three days later, he came back from the grave. When you believe that, when you confess that, 
you give his, your life to him, the Bible says you're saved. And now then live like you're saved. God fulfills his promises. And so this baby is rooted in the, the promises of God's word. Uh, this baby is the one who, and the only one who can bring comfort and joy. And the third reason why we can celebrate this gift, this gift is worth celebrating, is that God's son is for everyone. He just wasn't a Jewish gift, but the Bible says in verses 31 and 2, 32, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people. It's a gift for everyone. My friend, this morning, and if you're here and you've never received that free gift through faith by God's grace, you know what? This Christmas gift is for you this morning can't earn it. You know, it's not about coming to church 13 times in a row or doing as many good works as possible. No, it's simply through faith. And this faith is believing and knowing the disturbing part of the story. You need to know the whole Christmas story. The, the sobering, disturbing part. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 2, verse um, 34, last part of the verse 34, Behold, he's talking to Mary. And this is the bad part of the Christmas story, Okay. Up until this point, you know, Mary and Joseph, they've heard lots of wonderful things. They've, they've celebrated lots of wonder, wonderful truths about their son. But now Simeon is going to share with them the disturbing part of what their son is going to go through. Verse 34. Behold this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. A sword will pierce through your own soul, talking to Mary, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Your baby is appointed for the fall, for the judgment of the haughty and the arrogant. Luke chapter 1, verses 50 through 53. Your, your baby is appointing for, appointed for the rising, the salvation of the humble and the meek. How could Simeon say these things? Because he knew Isaiah chapter 53. He knew why this baby had to come. He was born to die for the salvation of the many, of the humble and the meek. In church, 
before you can receive the comfort of the Christmas message, you must first be disturbed by the meaning of Christmas. That Jesus had to come and die for you, for me. This is the proper understanding of the Christmas message. The Christmas message must first confront before it can comfort. That you're a sinner. That I'm a sinner. And that my sin has separated me from God. I understood that when I was eight years old. I was going to church all my childhood days. And then a friend of mine whom I was going to church with said, Guess what, Billy? I became a Christian. And I thought to myself, You became a Christian? We've been doing the same things ever since we've been in this church. What makes you so different from me? And I got scared. And there were several nights in a row row, that as a child, I was crying out loud, God, save me. Show me how I can become a Christian. I'm sure my mom and dad heard those prayers out loud and told my uncle, can you talk to Billy? about being a Christian. And that next Sunday, at the invitation, we all stood up, we were all singing the song, and my hands were clenched to the pew in front of me. My knuckles were white. And my uncle tapped me on the shoulder, asked me, Billy, you want to know how to become a Christian? And my heart melted. I said yes, and he took me into a small room in that uh, Baptist, that missionary Baptist church in Fresno, California. I got down on my knees and I asked Christ to come into my life, to forgive me of my sin. And when I got up off my knees, I knew Jesus was in my heart beyond a shadow of a doubt, and I've never regretted that decision never second-guessed or wondered if he's here or not. I knew he was there, and he kept me from a lot of things that my friends were getting involved with as I went through junior high and high school. And I'm not here to brag about me this morning. I'm here to brag about the grace of God in my life and how he saved me and how he kept me from many things that would have destroyed my life. And I'm grateful for an uncle who knew what was necessary to help me, lead me to Jesus Christ. That's the uncle that uh, also has pancreatic cancer that's going through it with my mom right now. Uh, But we need to understand the disturbing part of the Christmas story. And when you admit that you've blown it, that you're not perfect, that you've made lots of mistakes. You know what? God is on the porch 
watching and waiting for you to come to Him. And when when you take that first step, just like the prodigal son story, the father was on the in the front of the house, waiting, looking for his son to come home. And from a distance, he saw his son. Guess what he did? He stood on the porch, and he said, It's about time. I knew you'd come home. Is that what he did? No. The Bible says the dad ran to the son before the son could even complete his sentence of how sorry he was, dad wrapped his arm of love and grace and forgiveness around his son and called for a celebration. That's, that's the heart of God. And he's looking for you to come home. But you got to admit that you've made a mistake. And when you do, God's already there wanting to forgive you. He loves you. He loves you so much. The Bible says he gave his one and only son for your salvation. That's the good news. Are you disturbed this morning? You don't have to stay disturbed. The gift of Christmas is in Christ. And when we receive Him, we receive comfort and peace. You can say in your heart, I can die now. Because I know where my hope is. The best is yet to come. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Christmas story. Jesus, for coming. And dying for me, for us here in this room. Father, if there's one here this morning who does not have a relationship with God, may today be the day of their salvation. If I'm praying for you this morning, if I'm talking about you this morning, Right where you're at, you can pray these words. If this is the desire of your heart, to be in a relationship with Christ, just say, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. God, you know everything I've done. And I'm ashamed. But by faith this morning, I believe that you died 
for my sin. And by faith this morning, I believe that you came back to life. God, I confess my my sin with my heart. I'm telling you this morning, I believe. God, I'm trusting that you've forgiven me and you saved me. God, I don't understand it all, but help me to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.